Well, good morning, LCM. Today is Sunday, June 28th, 2020. Wow, all halfway done with this this year here. We have been working on our spiritual hygiene for a few weeks now. Yeah, we we've have. Been, we've attacked our own stinking thinking. Mm. We've come face to face with the reality that when we don't forgive, the Lord will not forgive us. We directly confronted our own deceptive unbelief and moved from liable to powerful just on a few Wednesday nights ago. We became experts at detecting and destroying our pride in every form within our own hearts and lives. We've conquered ground becoming full of the Spirit as we made our lives completely about having holy fear just the other night. Man, did that message bless you guys? Making that distinction between unholy and holy fear? Man. Well, I'll let you guys know today, today we're going to clean up our spiritual hygiene just a little bit more. We're going to close in on things that we have noticed. That meaning that the, we've noticed a stealthy, satanic stratagem aimed at our resolve to finish the race. But we're continuing this satanic stratagem that's at work within our spiritual hygiene. The kind that looks to take away our breath with overwhelming and repeated discouragements. Come on, has that been a reality this past week for you? Repeated and overwhelming discouragements. Even to the point of having these little whispering demonic lies in your ears, looking to permeate your soul with a phrase like, this is just too difficult. I'm not sure if I can do this. Why even try? We're going to clean that ignorance up today in the name of Jesus. Because this morning, church, we're going to destroy the satanic stratagem that is targeting your strength to finish the race. That is targeting your resolve to complete the call that God has on your life. Oh, this morning, we're going to clean up and revive our spiritual hygiene Come on, with something called marathon mentality. So today's message is titled, Spiritual Hygiene, Marathon Mentality. Say marathon mentality. Marathon mentality. Run with it, Pastor. Oh, come on now. See, church, the key to defeating this foe is you got to first understand that spiritual warfare takes place over decades. Yeah, it does. Not just moments. See, when we start talking to you about spiritual warfare, we immediately think of something, and it's almost kind of done in a... Uh, like a sitcom kind of format. You're expecting it to start and end within a nice little tidy box. But the thing that starts to wear us out is the fact that we've got to continue to do this over the course of time, over the course of decades, that what you've already begun, that you can count on that you will be victorious in every way if you just don't quit. If you just don't give up, then what God is promising is He's promising to bring about victory. You are the child of the living God. You are the church of the King of all creation. You will win, but you just can't give up. Come on. And that is so much easier to say than it is to actually do it. Man. See, when you get a little sick for a few days, man, don't your emotions get all out of whack? When, When you start experiencing difficulties. See, if the enemy can cause us to lose hope, if he can cause us to lose faith, if he can cause us to lose heart by making us feel like we don't have the strength to endure. Church, our battles are not just won or lost in a single moment. Can somebody say amen to that? Amen. 
Yeah, they may not be won in a single moment, but you're not going to lose this fight in a single moment either if you just keep going. See, no setback is going to be a defeat for you. No singular setback is a defeat as long as you keep moving. See, somebody say marathon mentality. Marathon mentality. This is exactly what we need today, and we need to have it flowing through our very souls, that we understand that we're going to keep going as long as it takes. Somebody say, as long as it takes. As long as it takes. We're going to go with the marathon mentality. Let's turn to Exodus chapter 17 so we can begin to get clarity on this enemy. To begin with the marathon mentality, we're going to tell you up front. we got a slide here for you that says you're going to have to daily know your enemy. Let's, let's start with where this thing begins. You've got to understand daily who the enemy is and daily what the enemy practices. In Exodus 17, we're going to start in verse 5. Somebody say marathon mentality when you're there. The Lord answered Moses. Walk on ahead of the people. Mm-hmm. By the way, if you're ever going to lead people, you're going to have to get out in front of them. That's right. You're going to have to walk in front of where they are. Take with you some of the elders of Israel and take in your hand the staff with which you struck the Nile. Boy, isn't that nice? The Lord is reminding Moses of what has just happened in the past few days in his life. Miraculous things that have taken place. The staff which you struck the Nile and go. I will stand there before you by the rock at Horeb. Strike the rock and water will come out of it for the people to drink. So Moses did this in the sight of the elders of Israel, and he called the place Massa and Meribah, because the Israelites quarreled and because they tested the Lord. That's what those two words mean, Massa and Meribah. They mean testing and quarreling. The Lord said, uh, they tested the Lord saying, is the Lord among us or not? Okay, so, so understand what is happening here as we begin in Exodus 17. The Israelites have just come out of Egypt. They've just been birthed as a nation coming through the Red Sea. And what's happening here is they've been told, they've only been moving around just for a few, maybe even just a few days. At best, a few weeks right now. And they're coming to this place. And they've come to a place called Rephidim. Which when you look into uh, lexicons, they tell you that Rephidim means support or rest. Hey, all I need, Pastor, I just need a little rest. I just got to get to that place where I'm getting the right kind of support. But what happens when they find this place of support is they realize there's no water there. They think what they needed was a break from what was going on. And as they get to this place of a break, of rest, of support, there's no water there. So they grumble against Moses. They grumble against Moses. As a matter of fact, Moses is worried that they're going to kill him. Like, these people are mad enough at me, they will kill me. And what happens is, is they begin to then test Moses, quarrel with Moses, and test the Lord. But look at what the phrase is. What are they testing the Lord with? Is the Lord among us or not? I mean, at least, at least none of us has ever had those questions that came up in our own heart. I'm not quite sure if the Lord is with me. Man, things are going so badly right now. I don't know if he's just mad at me. I don't know. Is the Lord really among us? Is he really working in my life or not? See, this shows what is really in their hearts. It's showing that already in just weeks after leaving Egypt, they're already having a problem with their marathon mentality. Wow. They've got to know and understand who this enemy is. Let's take a look at verse 8 so we can define the enemy even better. So, Pastor, if I hear you right, you're saying that the mentality they had 
wasn't a marathon mentality. It was a sitcom salvation kind of mentality. They were just looking for a, a quick commercial break. Oh, man. Commercial breaks are the devil. Exodus 17, verse 8. The Amalekites. So, just to remind you, we're on, yeah, exactly, boo's a very good word. We're on the topic of daily knowing your enemy. Oh, we see the heart issue that Israel has, but we're introducing a knowledge of your enemy in this passage. The Amalekites, say Amalekites. Amalekites. Came and attacked the Israelites at the commercial break. At Rephidim. At this place of support or rest. Moses said to Joshua, choose some of your men and go out to fight the Amalekites. Tomorrow, I will stand on top of the hill with the staff of God in my hands. See, at this place, what Pastor Wade just read, that the Israelites were grumbling. They were complaining against Moses and against God. They were questioning their call. They were questioning the sovereignty and the mighty hand that had just delivered them multiple times. Israel found themselves in the territory of Amalekites. They were now in a vulnerable position. No longer were their eyes set on the goal of which God was leading them to. They were set on their own comfort and displeasure of what God was doing in their life. That made them vulnerable to the attack of the Amalekites. It was an opportune time for the enemy to move right on in. Come on, we preaching to us this morning. Those times when the warfare has been raging on and on and you just want to stop for a minute and check out. And next thing you know, infighting inside your own home, infighting just within your own mindsets in. And that is the moment that the enemy is looking to rush in. It's an opportune time. See, the first external foe since Israel had come out of Egypt were these Amalekites. The first real enemy to draw down on them. Now, the unique thing about Amalekites is that they were nomadic. They lived between Egypt and the promised land. And because they were nomadic, they were flexible. They were able to move around and get up and attack at any point. They could relocate overnight in order to position themselves better to take the best opportunity to attack their enemies. See, what this is like, this is like having a roaming enemy of ours that is between our old carnal way of life and the promised life that God has given us. That at any moment is just waiting to pounce upon us. See, Genesis 36 begins to give us the origin of Amalek. Amalek was a descendant of Esau, later became the nation of the Edomites. Well, Amalek was a product of Esau and a Canaanite wife. You mean this carnal mentality married to a carnal union of his flesh. And it produced this age-old war-like people against the, the people of God. We have a slide how we want to describe some definitions of Amalek for you. So here's Amalek. On the left-hand side, you're going to see a description that was will be found from Smith's Bible Dictionary, McClintock and Strong, and Easton's Bible Dictionary that defines and explains the Amalekites or Amalek as dwellers in a valley. 
These guys are dwellers in a valley. They, they hang out in the low places. It's not just having friends in low places, but this is where this entire group of people <laughs> hangs out. Yeah. There they're, are those that are going to hang out, and what are they, though? They're opportunists. See, Israel has come out of Egypt, and there's no, there's no army that Israel has had a chance to build. They were slaves for, for hundreds of years. They don't have an army. When Moses speaks to Joshua, he says, you've got to go make an army while you're fighting these guys. See, they're waiting for you to come out and find your commercial break, find your place of rest, and then they're going to attack you because they're dwelling in low places and they can't wait until you get into the same kind of low place so that they can attack you. Anybody ever know, anybody know what I'm talking about? Where it seems like you need, you're like, man, all I need is just to get to this point and there's going to be some type of rest and then I'll be ready to catch my breath. I cannot wait for ease. What's that? I can't wait for ease and comfort. Can't wait for ease and comfort, but what happens is the enemy attacks you at those low points, at the points where you're already tired, where you're already discouraged. Are you serious? This is going to happen on top of what just happened? Yes, that's the nature of the Amalekites. They're opportunists. See, they had just come out of Israel with no army. They're coming out of a place of being tested and quarreling with Moses. And by the way, God did yet another supernatural miracle and provided them water from a rock. And what happens immediately is you get someone, a valley dweller, an opportunist waiting to get to you at your lowest point. Those in a low place waiting for you to get to that low place where you've got a low place of strength. A low place of resolve, a low place of resources or resilience or repentance. The enemy's trying to get you in a place where he can more opportunely demolish what God is doing in you. He's waiting for you to be weak. you got to understand that this is what the enemy is like. But we have to have a marathon mentality to battle him. Let's take a look at the other side of the screen. Other side of the screen says, a people that licks up. A warlike people that want... Your total destruction. This is coming from Hitchcock's Bible Dictionary and Nelson's Bible Dictionary. What does this put into mind? John 10.10. The the, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. We heard all about that in last Wednesday's message. I want this warlike people. It wants to come and completely devour you. But it's waiting for the right opportunity to do it. Well, let me, let me talk to us parents in the room. It's those kind of days, and today and yesterday might have been just that kind of day, where not only are your kids sick, not only is your wife sick, you're sick, the car breaks, all of a sudden you got two things that hit your bank account that you weren't expecting that were a double charge. Now it's, uh, I say it's tripping. Yeah, it's, it's overdrafting. It's tripping too. And it's trying to overwhelm you at an opportune time, getting you to quit, lay down, give up so I can utterly destroy you. Y'all had some days like that? Well, there's a response and a perspective that we have to have in dealing with this type of enemy of God. Let's look at 1 Peter 5 and verse 8. Say marathon mentality whenever you get there. I know that we all showed up this morning with a singular idea in mind. We're going to win in the name of Jesus. 1 Peter 5.8 says, be self-controlled. Control yourself. And be alert. 
Oh, those are very good points. We're going to come back to that. And then it goes on to say, your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking or looking for someone to devour. Looking for someone to lick up like firewood can totally consume an object. For an opportune time to totally and utterly destroy you. See, your enemy, the devil, is an Amalekite. The same attitude, the same spirit that's behind the Amalekites is this satanic opposition that opposes you. It's prowling around. It's looking to destroy you. Our response to this has to be a marathon mentality. One that is constantly exercising self-control. No, in the name of Jesus, this situation is not going to push my nuclear launch button. I will not allow my Nabal traits to be released from the gates. They will be subdued in the name of Jesus. I'm aware of this attack. I'm not going to give in to it. I'm going to put a big smile on my face. I'm going to say the name of Jesus. I'm going to say I'm blessed. I win. I will win. I will continue to win. I'm going to help other people win. That's what being self-controlled is like. Sometimes you just got to put your hands by the side or raise them in the air and proclaim the name of Jesus so that they don't do anything else other than submit to his name. But on top of that, you got to be alert. You can't just control your own Nabal nature and stick your head in the sand and pretend that nothing's going to happen. We have to keep our eyes and our ears open to the heavens, getting discernment daily and constantly so we know exactly what the king wants us to do. We need to be constantly evaluating our own spiritual hygiene and we're on the lookout for an Amalekite assault. Let's continue on. Let's look at verse 9. It says, resist him. Stand firm in the faith because you know that your brothers throughout the world are undergoing the same kind of difficulties, the same kind of sufferings. See, church, we've got to have a marathon mentality today to daily know that our enemy is there and his his ploy, what he's a that he's a valley dweller, that he's looking as a warlike people to completely lick up everything that you have going on in your life. See, this is why we have to remember that no setback is actual defeat if you just keep going. Amen. See, don't judge me today. I may not have done it perfectly right, but I know that I'm going to keep stepping forward. That you may be able to knock me down, but you cannot knock me out because I am a child of the overcoming king of the universe. See, no attack is fatal. No opposition is final if you just keep pressing forward. Amen. Isn't this so much easier to say than it is to do? You know that you should keep going, but what happens when you get into difficulty? What happens when you get in those low places? You're like, yeah, is the Lord really among us or not? See, what we're trying to encourage you today, church, is we have a lot of ground left to cover as a church. You have a lot of area to yet go so that you are fulfilling and can say at the end of your life that you have fulfilled God's plan for you. This is going to take us to stay in a daily kind of marathon mentality that we know that we've got to keep going. We know that we have to keep pressing forward and we have no other alternative than to do this. Church, if you persist... You will prevail in the kingdom. But that comes from walking in a marathon mentality. Oh, do you hear the encouragement? If you persist, you will prevail. That's a promise. It's a certainty. It's a biblical truth. It's like gravity. It will fall upon you. Marathon mentality. It starts with daily knowing your enemy. 
The next step is to daily remember you are at war. See, we start with daily knowing our enemy. But then our next step is daily knowing or remembering you're at war. Let's all go to Deuteronomy 25. And we'll start in verse 17. Come on now. Somebody say marathon mentality when you get there. (laughs) Come on, shout it out to me. There we go. Verse 17. Remember what the Amalekites did to you along the way when you came out of Egypt. Come on, God's pointing back. Don't forget. Don't forget that moment. When you were weary and worn out. Come on now. Come on, this is one of those seasons where everybody's getting a little bit weary and worn out. Maybe not even a little bit, maybe a lot. And it's time to open our eyes, be self-controlled and alert, and realize what we're facing. We have to daily remember we're at war. And here's why. When you were weary and worn out, they met you on the journey and cut off all who were lagging behind. Come on, these Amalekites, this satanic stratagem goes after those that are giving in to being weak, giving in to being worn out, claiming themselves victims more than victors, and just want to drift a little bit further behind to catch their breath. That's the ones that the Amalekites are hunting down. They had no fear of God. When the Lord your God gives you rest... From all the enemies around you in the land he has given you to possess as an inheritance. You shall blot out the memory of Amalek from under heaven. Do not forget. See, it is a must. It is a biblical imperative that you daily remember that you are at war with God's enemies. Because he is at war. What does this look like? This may look like the friend the family member, the co-worker, that is always that one satanic voice or action in your, in your life that comes at an opportune time to try and ruin, destroy your confidence or your progression in the kingdom. That one phone call at the worst time possible with the greatest amount of appearing drama and emergency that ends up being absolutely nothing. See, there's a problem, though. God is saying, remember. That's how he started verse 17. And how he ended this passage is, do not forget. He's bookending this with, keep it right in front of your face, exactly what these enemies of God do. See, this Amalekite assault, it wants to wear you down. It wants to wear you down over time. Just let a few months, a few years go by. And you begin to forget God's view of what that Amalekite assault was actually trying to do to you. You begin to forget how much of a satanic stratagem was working through puppets on a string. And you begin to concede and make treaties with people God did not want you to make treaties with. It's people that God is still at war with. This can come because you're looking to rest from warfare when God is not. What this passage says is when God gives you rest, it is a certainty that he will. 
But it's not determined by your lack of comfort of when you will get that rest. It's determined when God will give you that rest. And his whole point is this. Is that when you have rest on so many sides, when your lives are seeking to be defined by ease, comfort, plenty, plenty of food, plenty of time, plenty of resources, it's then that we begin to forget that Amalek is at war with us on a daily basis. See, when our hearts seek to take a vacation, you know who doesn't? Amalek doesn't. When we seek to get into our own rest and not God's rest, you know who's not at rest? Satan himself. But God's perspective is, look, when you get there, don't forget. Because they tried to prevent the birth of the nation of Israel. What Amalek seeks to do is to prevent the birth and the fulfillment of God's call on your life, which means destroying them. You are at war. And you're at war with Amalek, and it never stops. You're at war with satanic stratagem, and it never stops. We have to have a marathon mentality. Church, are you still waiting on a promise that God has given you to be fulfilled? Of course we are. We can point to the ones that he has given us, that he has granted us, and it should give us hope for the future. But how will those promises come about? They're going to come about as you stay faithful. You stay faithfully engaged in what God has said. You develop a marathon mentality that says, I'm not going to let an enemy lull me to sleep. I'm not going to let him trick me. Even in those low points, I'm going to stand here. Let's turn to 1 Samuel 15, and we're going to see what happens when you're not remembering who the enemy is and what the enemy is about you in Deuteronomy 25 that God has said this? Hey, you need to remember what they did. Oh, I thought it was more godly to let those things go. No, no, you got to understand who the enemy is. You cannot forget. you got to wrap your brain around that again. You've got to engage with that in a daily way so that you don't start giving the enemy quarter. Yeah. You don't start finding mercy where God has said, you should have no mercy about this. You should have no mercy about this adversary who is trying to kill you. Look at 1 Samuel 15 and verse 1. It says this, Samuel said to Saul, I am the one the Lord sent to anoint you king over his people Israel. So listen now to this message from the Lord. Hey, if somebody came in and said, by the way, I'm the one that had the authority to put you in your spot as king. You better listen to what I'm about to say. Okay, so this is what Samuel's doing with Saul here. He is, he is calling and uh, not pulling rank, but he is reminding Saul of who Samuel really is in his connection with the Lord. Verse 2, this is what the Lord Almighty says. I will punish the Amalekites for what they did to Israel when they waylaid them as they came up from Egypt. Church, we're about 500 years later, by the way. We're roughly 500 years later. And he's saying, yeah, I still remember what they did to my people when they were weary and worn out and they came in and waylaid them. I remember and I am God. And God is now speaking through Samuel to Saul. He says, now go attack the Amalekites and totally destroy them. Somebody say totally destroy. Totally destroy. Everything that belongs to them. Do not spare them. Put to death men and women, children and infants, cattle and sheep, camels and donkeys. He's saying take them all out entirely. Now you know this story about Saul. You know what he's about to do. But I want you to understand that the framework is not just an enemy. It was the first enemy. It was the first nation that came out against Israel, against God's people, and were trying to cut off those who were lagging behind. Mm -hmm. God is not at all 
being sympathetic to them. He's saying it is now time for you to bring total destruction to them. No sympathy, no quarter, no mercy. Not for these valley dwellers. Not for these people who are warlike. Look, look at verse 7. Then Samuel, I'm sorry, then Saul attacked the Amalekites all the way from Havilah to Shur, to the east of Egypt. He took Agag, king of the Amalekites, alive. And all his people he totally destroyed with the sword. But listen to this. But Saul and the army spared Agag and the best of the sheep and cattle, the fat calves and lambs, everything that was good. Wow. When you think that there's something redeemable about what an enemy has done, that God is saying, you cannot forget what they did. You cannot give them quarter. You cannot give them mercy. You've got to totally eliminate this. But everything that we see as good, maybe we can make this work out for our advantage. These they were unwilling to destroy completely. But everything that was despised and weak, yeah, they totally destroyed that. See, that's not remembering the enemy here. See, when you spare an enemy like the Amalekites, you fail to daily remember what your enemy is really about. See, there's an enemy that is trying to steal from you, trying to kill you, trying to destroy the calling on your life, and you can't give them quarter. You can't change that mentality and say, well, maybe there's something that I can get out of this. No, you have to remember and daily remember this enemy. Yeah. Pastor, this is hundreds of years later. Yeah, God didn't forget though. And he's telling us not to forget. Being unwilling to destroy completely shows that our evaluation of what we think is good versus what we think is weak. When God is reminding you of your enemy, it's so that you set your course right, you set your thoughts right, you set your heart right so that you don't begin to judge differently than what God has said. See, you've got to daily remember that you're at war. This is the problem, isn't it? The problem is a daily kind of war. The longer a battle wages, the more that we are prone to just want to abandon the standard. I I know that the Lord was really, really clear when He told this to me, Pastor. But, you know, now that, I mean, we've been going on for a while and, and things don't seem to be advancing the way that I think they should. See, God is saying you can't abandon the standard. You can't abandon the resolve necessary to get the total victory. But how often do we do that? How often do we start settling for something that is less different or otherwise unique from what God has said to us? Yeah, I know that the Lord said I'm supposed to raise a family that's kind of like this, but that's really difficult. And, and it's taken a long time, so I think I'll just settle for something less. I tried for five days and I didn't see results. Why do you think that so many in our midst, here in our, in our congregation today, why is it that we're so good at doing things for about two or three weeks at a time until that, that fades away? We're saying that there's a marathon mentality that's required. Yeah. We come down and we re- repent at an altar, but then in three weeks we need to do it again because we're back in the exact same spot. See, that's not people with marathon mentality. That's somebody who in that amount of time has already forgotten who the enemy is and what the enemy is really about. We've, we've completely lost it in a matter of days. Yeah. This is 500 years and God is saying, yeah, you still can't have... You still can't have mercy. You've got to have this marathon mentality, and I want you to put them down. See, we've got to develop the staying power. We do. Somebody say staying power. Staying power. You've got to develop some staying power in your walk. 
You're going to be victorious if you don't just give up. If you don't relinquish the standard. If you don't walk away from the resolve. You are going to be victorious. But we've got to be a people who understands this one. This is a difficult enemy to defeat. You know why? Because he doesn't go away quickly. He doesn't go away easily. He continues to come back and fight you every time you keep getting to your lowest point. But today in this house, somebody say in this house, this house, we're going to get this marathon mentality and we're going to produce impact in the kingdom for all of eternity by what we do in days like today. Yeah. Uh, turn with me to 1 Samuel 27. We'll start in verse 8. Say marathon mentality whenever you're there. Now David... And his men went up and raided the Geshurites, the Gerzites, and the Amalekites. Oh, from the ancient times, these peoples had lived in the land extending to Shur and Egypt. Whenever David attacked an area, he did not leave a man or woman alive, but took sheep and cattle and donkeys and camels and clothes. Then he returned to Ashish. See, what we need to have a, a marathon mentality is the same spirit of our Davidic king. Yeah. A heart after God, which is, which is designed to have a marathon mentality. One that says, no matter where my feet are standing, deep within the enemy's territory, I'm going to daily remember the call of God to completely destroy everything that's associated with Amalek. Come on, whether you're standing in the grocery store, whether you're standing in your workplace, no matter where your feet are placed, there is always an overcoming victorious result because you are remembering that you are at war no matter where your feet are placed. When we have that spirit of the Davidic king at work within us, oh, we can hold our heads high. We are never at a disadvantage. We always have the advantage. And that advantage is this, that if I prevail, I, well, it's a result of me persisting. If I have that marathon mentality, it's a guarantee that I'm going to win. We're able to daily remember that we're at war because we are daily depending on God's word to remind us of it. See, that nourishment from God's word, that leading of his spirit, is what gives us a daily reminder of what we're facing every single day and how God wants to deal with it. And that by constantly using His Word, it will give us the right discernment of knowing how to get victory. Well, Hebrews 5.14 says, But solid food is for the mature, who by constant use have trained their senses to distinguish good from evil. Constant use of God's word is what's going to constantly remind you that you are at war. And that guarantees that on a daily basis, you're getting one more step closer to victory and overcoming. Amen. See, to have a marathon mentality, you have to daily know your enemy. You have to daily remember that you are, in fact, at war. And you have to daily go to battle. I mean, you got to every single day go to yep. battle. Let's turn to Exodus chapter 17. We're going to look at verses 15 and 16. Exodus 17 and verse 15 and 16. It says this. Moses built an altar and called it the Lord is my banner. He said, for hands were lifted up to the throne of the Lord. 
Listen to this next phrase. The Lord will be at war against the Amalekites from generation to generation. Pastor, we're talking a lot about the Amalekites. Yeah, we want you to understand the enemy that's before you. We want you to understand that this enemy is just designed to wear you out. It's just designed to get you to quit before you receive your promise. Just to get you to stop before you get where you're supposed to go. It's trying to get you just to quit. But this is not a house full of people who are going to quit. No. We're going to keep going until we see the victory of the Lord, not just in a singular area, not just settling for something less than what God has for us, but we're going to get everything that God has promised us because His promises are true. See, you got to talk about, man, you got to understand that this is a marathon mentality. It's an ongoing battle from generation to generation. You can't become discouraged. Anybody ever been discouraged before? Man, anybody been discouraged lately? Past couple of days? What is that trying to do? It's trying to say that the Lord is not really among you anymore. Yeah, He did something maybe even yesterday. Yeah, He's done stuff in the past. He's healed you. He's restored you. He's redeemed you. But today, yeah, He's not so much with you anymore. When we begin to lose heart and get discouraged, that is what we're saying. And it is a ploy from the enemy. It is a satanic stratagem. It is a celestial opposition. This is a problem that we have, but we just seem like it just kind of feels natural to us. Mm. Yeah, we can't let this feel natural to us anymore, church. You are going to win. You are going to win. This is not even a question. You are going to win. You're going to wipe out the memory of this enemy from the earth. But you have to daily go to war. You have to daily go to battle to be able to achieve this. But guess what? You're actually built for it. Amen. See, when you come here to this church and you feel that, and we're talking to you today about going, yeah, we have to rise up within us. You have to be able to do this. You have to keep going with the marathon mentality. You know why you like it? Because it rings true and it reminds you of who you really are. Yeah. But how many of our thoughts are fighting exact in exact opposition to that? See, let's turn to 1 Samuel chapter uh, 30. We'll start in verse 1. David and his men reached Ziklag on the third day. Now the Amalekites had raided the Negev and Ziklag. They attacked Ziklag and burned it. And then taking captive the women and all who were in it, both young and old. They killed none of them, but carried them off as they went on their way. See, we read earlier in chapter 27 of 1 Samuel. David is going around. He's conquering. He's kicking rear end and he's taking names. Everywhere that he's go, he goes, he has victory after victory after victory. But what were the Amalekites then setting their sights on? The members of their own household. Let's look at this in verse 3. When David and his men came to Ziklag, they found it destroyed by fire. Their wives and sons and daughters were taken captive. So David and his men wept aloud until they had no strength left to weep. Come on, what do days of going to war and being victorious look like? It looked like there were going to be moments where the Amalekites... We're going to take an opportune time to try and destroy your household. And to the point, it's 
choking every bit of life out of you to the point you have no strength left to even shed a tear. My God, what are we going to do? It gets worse. It goes on to say, David's two wives had been captured, Ahinoam of Jezreel and Abigail, the widow of Nabal of Carmel. David was greatly distressed because these men were, take, were talking of stoning him. Well, we just went from having victory after victory in the enemy's territory. We come back home. Our wives and children and daughters are taken captive. And now we have mutiny. We have discord, disunity, something like you would find at Meribah, at the waters of quarreling. In fact, each one was bitter in spirit because of his sons and daughters. Oh, pastor, I'll go on the mission field. I'll go do something big and brave for Jesus. I'll be daring until my life is called for it. But just not for my kids. Don't put my kids in danger. We had family members that would call us a cult and say that we're crazy because we went to Matamoros, Mexico with our kids in the front seat and cartel activity everywhere. We went, we saw, we conquered, and we came back. We even brought back a bride for Cody Stevens. Miss Wendy over there. And we would tell everybody, even our sons and daughters have a bigger and bolder faith than you do. What, what are you doing with your faith? But this is that opportune time that the Amalekites are looking to destroy David and his men's confidence. To destroy their marathon mentality. All but the spirit of the Davidic king began to turn things around. As we read on. Each one was bitter in his spirit because of his sons and daughters. But David found strength in the Lord his God. He began to lift his hands and his hands to heaven and cry out to the living God, I need your strength because mine isn't good enough. Verse 7, then David said to Abithar the priest, the son of Ahimelech, and he said it just like this, bring me that ephod. He had a seriousness about him. It's time to act like a priest whenever things are going downhill. Abithar brought it to him and David inquired of the Lord. Come on, the solution, saints, Listen, look at me. Listen to me carefully. Whenever Amalek is looking to destroy you in the midst of your victory after victory, you have to look up to heaven, cry out to the living God, and begin to act like the priest, the man and woman of God that he called you to be. Put on that ephod. Call on the name of the Lord and ask him, Lord, what do I do? My whole family is sick. Our finances have run out, and not because of mismanagement, but because Amalek has been picking it off one at a time. I hope so. I'm helping myself. I'm preaching to myself. You begin to inquire the Lord, and you listen for His directions. And as soon as He speak them, you do them. You waste no time. But what you begin to see here is that the, David cries out to the Lord, Will or shall I pursue this raiding party? Will I overtake them? Lord, I've been experiencing victory after victory, but am I insured of this one? Because they have my most precious treasures, my family. And the Lord just says, pursue them. Go get them. I train you. I put my sword in your hand. You have had victories. You know exactly what to do. In fact, you're wearing an ephod. Get up and go pursue them. 
you will certainly overtake them and succeed in the rescue. Sometimes we just have to stand on our feet, move them one foot after another, and get after it in the name of Jesus. Come on, the devil begins to hit you, you hit him harder. He hit you twice, you pray five times. You really want to do some damage? Kick it up in the Holy Ghost. Pray in tongues. Intercede in the heavenly realms. Tear down the works of that archon. Declare victory in the name of Jesus before your feet ever get moving. What we see here is that God begins to respond to David with a strength. With his mighty hand filling David's heart and mind. See, daily going to battle requires you to daily inquire of God. And it looks like this. Lord, I know yesterday was that kind of day. What's your battle plan for today? You have the military intelligence, and I need it. Because I want to get to the goal of this marathon mentality. See, as you pursue by daily going to battle, God's strength, his power, his victorious might will certainly defeat every satanic stratagem, every Amalekite assault that is waging war on your mind, waging war on your heart, your family, your health. And there is a certainty. Say certainty. Certainty. There is a certainty that you will overcome, that you will succeed. Come on now. Let's look at Exodus chapter 23. Exodus 23, and we're going to look at verse 27. Say marathon mentality when you're there. It says this. I will send my terror ahead of you and throw into confusion every nation you encounter. Every single nation. Starting with the first one of the Amalekites. I will make all of your enemies turn their backs and run. That should be more encouraging to you than what you just responded as. He's going to make all of your enemies turn their back and run. Yeah. No matter what it may look like today, they will all fall before you. I will send the hornet ahead of you to drive the Hivites, the Canaanites, the Hittites out of your way. But I will not drive them out in a single year. What? What? He's going to take care of all of your enemies. You rest assured that your victory is guaranteed. But the way he's not going to do that is he's not going to do it in a single year. He's not going to do it in a single sitcom kind of term. It's not going to be a 30-minute thing and all your enemies are just bowing before you. What kind of faith would that take? See, it's when you have to keep fighting for this. Because the land would become desolate and the wild animals too numerous for you. You couldn't handle it if God defeated all your enemies today. What? I would really like that though. Yeah, but that's not the point. Look at verse 30. Little by little, I will drive them out before you. Come on, little by little. You mean it's going to take some type of marathon mentality for us to be able to win? It's going to, <laughs> we're going to get it little by little. I will drive them out before you until you have increased enough. To take possession of the land. Part of the difficulty that's going on in here. Part of the reason that there needs to be a marathon mentality. Is you've got to grow up. You've got to be able yeah. to grow enough. You've got to increase enough. That you can handle the very victory that you're already assured of. 
See, God is really, really good at this. He's going to do it little by little because you need the process of walking in this thing. Little by little. A marathon mentality. See, God promises to oppose those who oppose you. Your enemy are going to be his enemies. See, the first enemy to oppose Israel was Amalek. The first enemy. And this is why God is trying to teach us something. That every nation that tries to stand up before you, that all of your enemies. I want to read to you really quickly out of Psalm 83 and verse 5. It says, with one mind they plot together. They form an alliance against you. The entirety of Psalm 83 is talking about how the nations are conspiring against God's people. The tents of Edom, the Ishmaelites, Moab, the Hagragites, Gebal, Ammon, Amalek, Philistia, the people of Tyre. Heck, even Assyria has joined in with them. See, this idea, and God is saying, yeah, they look like a lot of different names, but they have the same singular satanic stratagem that it's at work in them. And you can't have any sympathy. You've got to have a mentality that says that God, little by little, will keep driving them out. Little by little, you will get victory over your enemies. Little by little, not in a single year. You couldn't handle it if he did it. He's going to do it little by little, but God will bring about victory for you. He'll bring us into the land of our enemies to conquer them, to overcome them, to demolish them. You have to expect that you're going to be opposed in a very long-term kind of way. But God has already told you what He's going to do. He's going to say, I got them little by little. Man, there are some enemies that fall, seem to fall at our wayside no matter what. We just rise up and God causes an enemy to fall. But the ongoing principle here is that He does this little by little. He's arrange these battles. He's arranged these difficulties in you so that you'll gain experience, so that you'll gain confidence, so that you'll gain strength. This is a marathon. It's not a sprint. We had a prophecy earlier today. If you believe that God will come through, anybody in this house believe that God is going to come through? Then act like it. (laughs) That was the word that came forth. Then act like it. Yes. Oh, yeah, what does that mean? That means you got to have some faith that rises up and you're like, yeah, just because I don't see it today doesn't mean that I'm not going to see it. I'm only seeing a little bit of the victory today, but it is going to come about in my life. Amen. You got to do better because Amalek wants to take your life. Like gravity itself, Amalek is going to oppose you, but then that's okay because God is going to oppose him. See, that Amalek spirit sees something in you that it, that it covets and it hates you for it. But you gotta have a marathon mentality because you gotta daily go to battle. Mm. Are you gonna daily go to battle, saints? Remember I said earlier how the spirit of the Davidic king gives us the ability to know for certain that we're gonna overcome? Oh, we're trying to rally our strength and our vigor in this house this morning. We're trying to instill a certainty before you ever fully possess it. I don't know. That's kind of like Hebrews 11. Faith is being sure, certain of what you hope for and sure what you don't see. Let me lay out some steps of certainty for you. When you are daily knowing your enemy, daily remembering you're at war, daily going to battle. The outcome is certain because you will daily overcome in the name of Jesus. 
Go to Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 for me. Marathon mentality. I can't tell you how proud I am of this church. How proud I am of each and every one of you. That time and time again, you step up. Step up and match the standard of having a marathon mentality. It takes some encouragement. Some encouragement in front of you, coaching you on. Some encouragement behind you, kicking you on. Giving you some boost, propelling you into God's presence with my left foot. Because we know that you can overcome. It's a certainty. Verse 1, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, those who have certainly done these exact same things, overcoming. Let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. Come on, what's it like to begin to run a marathon? I have no idea. <laughs> Just to let you know. I, yeah, I don't have that 13.1. I don't have that, you know, 26.2. I can't really add either. I have that sticker that says 0.0. That's what I have. But I know that when I am required to run, the last thing I want is a jacket or a coat on. The last thing I want to be wearing is blue jeans. I want to take everything off that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. I want to be able to run freely, unhindered, pursuing what God has given me. And let us run with perseverance. The race marked out for us. Are you... You're telling me that God has a design course for me to run with a marathon mentality? He's already determined my waypoints. He already knows my goal and destination. He knows at what point I need rest, what points I need water breaks. Yes, he absolutely does. What is the requirement? Verse 2, let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. Who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. If you can't have your eyes set on the end goal of a marathon, you're not going to finish the marathon. If you don't know what you're running for, you're not going to finish the race. But when you have your eyes fixed on Jesus, he is that goal. He is that one who's gone before us. He is the author and the finisher of the kind of faith that it takes to have a marathon mentality. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinful men. The one who endured opposition from Amalek. So that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Where did the writer of Hebrews get that understanding from? Maybe from the Torah. These satanic stratagems, Amalekite assaults, they're aimed at hindering your spiritual hygiene, church. They're aimed at tripping you up with stinking thinking. Tripping you up with unforgiveness, unbelief, pride, and an unholy fear. Because here's the mindset of Amalek. If I can't stop you, I'm going to distract and derail you. I'm going to get you off course. I'm going to make you go outside the race that has been marked out for you. 
Oh, but when we begin to have a marathon mentality, we can easily detect and destroy every one of those stratagems. We can then remember that we are going to war because God's at war. Go to battle every single day and daily expect overcoming power to fill us. See, a marathon mentality has a fixed gaze on the goal from the very beginning. This pattern is marked out by Jesus for us. And our lives should look exactly the same. Let me put up a, a, a verse for you that shows exactly the marathon mentality that Jesus had that we have to have. And it's a boss scripture. Luke 13, 31 is where we're going to be. Let's put it up on the screen. At that time, some Pharisees came to Jesus and said to him, leave this place and go somewhere else. Quarantine yourself, Jesus. Herod, COVID, wants to kill you. Verse 32. We skipped over one really important part. There we go. He replied, go tell that fox. I will keep on driving out demons and healing people today and tomorrow. And on the third day, I will reach my goal. Can't stop, won't stop. What attitude are we having in this house? An overcoming attitude says, you know what? I'm going to heal today. I'm going to heal tomorrow. I'm going to heal for the next 30 years until the day that I'm dead. And guess what? When I resurrect, I'm going to heal some more. I am not going to stop being what God called me to be. In fact, I'm going to become more in the name of Jesus. Verse 33. He says right after, I will reach my goal. In any case... I must keep going today and tomorrow and the next. For surely no prophet can die outside Jerusalem. Oh, he knew his goal. He knew that when he got to Jerusalem, he was going to go lay down his life because he could pick it right back up again. And when he would, he would bring overcoming salvation and victory for the entirety of mankind. Come on, on, what does your death look like? Oh, as you get closer to your goal, you're getting closer to the death of yourself and closer to the resurrection of life for everybody else. Come on. Let's turn to Romans chapter 5. In our final few minutes together here, let's look at Romans 5, and we're going to start in verse 3. Somebody say marathon mentality when you get there. It says, not only so, but we also rejoice in our sufferings. (laughs) That definitely demands of us a marathon mentality. That we're going to rejoice when the difficulty's there. Because we know that this is part of God working it out little by little. It's part of us increasing so that we can actually obtain the victory that He's already guaranteed us. Because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Yes. How are you going to get the perseverance? How are you going to get the marathon mentality? There is only one way that you're going to have to go through suffering. But perseverance produces character, and character produces hope. Yeah, it does. Come on now. Mm. you got to have some character and hope that is driven from your perseverance. And hope does not disappoint, because God has poured out His love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit whom He has given us. Church, if you persist, you will prevail in what God has. But it is going to demand that you have a marathon mentality and go through the suffering so that your perseverance will be there and you can build towards hope. Your hope is the sign of a marathon mentality. You got, ah, no, I know today is tough. I know I'm really, really discouraged, but I can keep going. You know why? Because I have the perseverance. I have the 
character. And by God, he's given me the hope. And I can stand up for this. Oh, we're giving you a shot of hope this morning. One that will vaccinate you from any defeat. It will guarantee with a certainty that there is victory. Let me read this to you. John 16, 33. Jesus' words are our words this morning. I have told you these things so that in me you may have shalom. In this world, guess what, church? You will have trouble. Guaranteed. That's a guarantee. But take heart. Oh, man. Realize the realities in front of you, but realize the greater realities that exist in the heavenly realms. We're going to take heart this morning. Why? Because Jesus says, I have overcome the world. When our lives are hidden within him, we first begin to find that his words are bringing shalom in us and other people. As a result, we take heart. We overcome. Oh, but it's infectious. Oh, that victory, that overcoming spirit, it begins to be a contagion that inspires one person after another after another. You are called to bring forth life and the life that says, I will and I have overcome in the name of Jesus. Let me read this to you from 2 Corinthians 4, verse 16. Therefore, we do not lose heart. No. Though outwardly, we are wasting away. Outwardly, there's some difficulties. Outwardly, there are some struggles. Yet inwardly, we're being renewed day by day, little by little. We're getting yeah. exactly where we need to go in this. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs all of the troubles. So we fix our eyes, not on what is seen. Boy, that sounds just like Hebrews 12, doesn't it? Yeah, we it fix our eyes not on what is seen, but what on what is unseen. See, you know that there's an enemy there. This is telling you got that marathon mentality for what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Church, you can't lose heart. You're going to win. Without fail, you are going to win if you just persist in what God has for you. You've got to daily know your enemy. You got to daily remember you're at war. You got to daily go to battle so that you can daily overcome. See, this is not about what you feel. No. It's not about what you see. It's not about what you think. It's not about what you can perceive. See, we're going to focus on the eternal nature of the promises that God has proclaimed to us. He is going to put down every enemy. They will all tuck tail and run from you. But you have to continue on with faithfulness, with a marathon mentality. Our enemies are his enemies. He will oppose those who oppose you. The whole problem is, is that troubles make us think that he isn't with us and that victory isn't ours. See, you're going to win in the end. If it appears that we don't win in a moment, I assure you that God is just building up more judgment to put on Babylon, to put on Amalek, to put on the celestial opposition, to take care of those satanic stratagems. It doesn't even matter what it looks like now, because if we persist, then we will win. Oh, man, say victory, church. Oh, say one more time. Victory. Victory. First John 5, 3 says this. This is love for God to obey his commands. And his commands are not burdensome for everyone. For who? Everyone. Everyone born of God overcomes the world. This is what you're made to do. You're made to overcome in the name of Jesus. This is the victory that has overcome the world. Even our faith. There's a great song about that, Peyton. Who is it that overcomes the world? Only he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. We have a certainty of victory right in front of us. And it exists 
just by your pure born again design. You are engineered. You are designed by the hand of God to bring about overcoming power with victorious results. Come on now. Church, as we get ready to close, we're going to remind you of what we started this time together with you today. That spiritual warfare takes place over many decades of battle. It's not a day, it's not a week, it's not a month, it's not even a year. But the Lord is going to continue to walk through this with you and bring about victory in you. See, no setback is defeat if you just keep going. If you just keep going. The battle isn't won or lost in a moment. It is won as you continue to have a marathon mentality. Church, let me ask you this. What is the low point? What is this valley dweller of an enemy trying to attack you in? See, you can't be defined by your difficulties if you just don't stop. Your own disappointments at your own behavior, at your own actions. If you just don't stop, it will show that God is able to make anything from what you give Him. He is able to take your life and bring about success and make you into what you're supposed to be. See, when the Word of God says that greater is He that's in us than He that's in the world, this is where we get to prove that to be true. Say it with me, church. Say, as long as it takes. As long as it takes. Say it again. Say, as long as it takes. As long as it takes. That's the mentality that we have to have. The church of the living God can't be beaten because all we do is, all we have to do is endure, doing our all to stand until His power runs in, His power rushes in and helps us to overcome and level every foe. Church, I haven't won every battle. I, I haven't won every round of every fight that I've been in, but I don't get out of the ring. You, you got to just keep going. You got to have something on the inside of you that says, no, literally the only thing that can keep me from winning is if I stop. When you have that kind of marathon mentality, then victory is defined and is for sure yours. It is. Stand to your feet, church. Oh, this morning we're raising a, a rally. Here's how we need to respond. We need the spirit of our Davidic king at work in us. One that conquers being weary and losing heart. And it starts by this. When you come down to the altar, you're looking to find strength in the Lord your God. You're looking to put on the ephod, your right duty and responsibility to be a priest. And you're going to inquire of the Lord of what you need to do next. What do you need to do next to daily know your enemy? Daily remember your war. Daily go to battle and daily overcome. Oh, it's our joy and our pleasure this morning to be together as a family and a body to find strength in the Lord our God. As I begin to pray, make your way down. Come find your strength. Come find your priesthood and find the battle plan so we can be overwhelmingly victorious. Mighty God, we thank you we thank you for your spirit and your word at work in us this morning. Lord, we say, help us. Help us, we cry out. Lord, help us overcome being weary. Help us overcome of losing heart. Help us take heart that you have overcome the world. Lord, show us what we need to do to rise up and elevate our priesthood. What we need to do to get a battle plan from you. And what we need to do to have the strength to carry it out. Only you. In only you can we have victory. In only you can we overcome. We call out to your name, mighty God. Come and fill us.
fill us with overcoming power. Amen.